We told you after the game, they were going to be talking about the tight. Two cans of beer a day, and that's your bleeding lot. And now we've got an extra one because they stopped the tot. So we'll put on our civvy clothes, find a proper shore. A sailor's just a sailor, just like he was before. As that promo says, welcome into another live edition of Coach's Corner. We liked Thursday night so much last time, we're going to do it again. And we're probably going to make it a permanent thing, so reset all those schedules and reminders that you have out there to come join us. Because we're going to try to bring you all some extra things for the podcast listeners. You will miss this out. Even more of an incentive to check us out live on Thursday nights. Uh, we'll, we'll field your questions. We'll go through the game. You know discuss feelings, those kinds of things, but just wanted to bring that up at the top that we're probably going to start trying to do this on Thursday nights from now on instead of Tuesday nights. Uh, Cause what we're going to try to do is break down some plays. We've got a couple of them for tonight. We'll, we'll expand that as we go. Uh, so we'll have something that I talk through a couple of things, try to actually bring that coach's angle as we've always said, we try to do to you, the fans. So thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for joining us once again for a live show. Jonathan, how are you doing tonight? It's almost Friday, so I got no, I got no complaints. I yeah. mean, it, it's uh, the the stain of the weekend of what I watched and witnessed <laughs> uh, on Sunday uh, has been washed away either by time or the uh, alcohol, either or. But um, it, it's a good week. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was only reminded of it. I was able to forget about it. Get into my work week. I was uh, only able to forget about it until I had to do the pick'em article today. And then I had to look and talk about our regrets. How everybody on the Broadway contributors picked the Titans to win that game, and I had to relive that horror and write about it. So that it's a little. I'd like to say it was cathartic, but it was not. It just brought up some some deep, disturbing emotions from me today. So I'm, I was good. You know, but now I'm not. But like you said, Friday's tomorrow. Maybe better times are ahead. Football this weekend. We have football on the TV right now. I'll try, again, not to get distracted as I did last week. That's always going to be the fun game. I think it's a testament, though. I mean, we talked about last week that, you know, you you don't take any team for granted, especially in the NFL. It's not college football. I mean, Bama going against uh, Mercer or something. Yeah, they may have score a touchdown. That may be disappointing that they give up seven points. But uh, they're not going to lose that game. In the NFL, like we said, it's hard to go 0 and 16. Yeah. And there were some issues. We'll talk about some play breakdowns here in just a few minutes. But ultimately, this is a team that flat out, uh, based on the expectations of both teams, that's an embarrassing loss for the Titans. Oh, for sure. So they fall 27 24 in overtime to the Jets. Uh, and let's just get right into it because it, it wasn't what we were expecting. I think we were calling for even with AJ and Julio out, you're hoping that the Titans can have enough strength and find enough playmakers. Tannehill playing as sharp as he has all year probably has fixed the worst time to have his worst game of the year, probably mixed with the offensive line, utterly breaking down at multiple points. Anytime there's a third and got to get it situation, it didn't help that those backup receivers then also magnified it because they probably weren't running those routes as crisp as the, the starters you just have to think and i'll bring that up a little later when we get to the play breakdown as well sorry podcast listeners uh but just you know you look you looked at some of those um and going through the game pass by the way personal note game pass is utterly trash for the all 22 breakdown it is so fun to go through if you don't do that it just all of a sudden you're watching a play and it'll, it'll just skip ahead 15 seconds and you're like what just happened so that's fun to do so we'll try to bring you screenshots instead of video for that but it what I want to touch on first was the defense for eight, whatever out of 10 plays seemed to be okay, but then they'd have a breakdown and you kind of pointed out and you'll allude to it later also, but who was this on more? The offense's ineffective ability, ability not to score touchdowns inability to score touchdowns and third and whatever, giving up sacks, seven sacks on the day, or was it the defense giving up these junk plays to the jets? 
So I think it's been a combination of things. You know, you have three opportunities in the red zone. You come away with nine points. You do have to get seven. It just is, it's a recipe for disaster if you're going that route. So I do put some of that on the offense and their inability to finish drives because you'll have these uh, these plays where you just give up things. And um, it's kind of the same story on defense. You're, you will, you'll see this team performing on both sides of the football relatively consistently, but then there is some play that they give up here or there that either stops a drive or gives up a big play. And for the Titans, if you look at it statistically across the league, they have not given up that many big plays relative to the teams across the league. I think I saw as 20 play, 22 plays of explosive plays. The problem with the Titans is every single one of their explosive plays is just a dagger. It's a, it's a seven point touchdown. I mean, that's it. That's all it, I mean, seven point touchdown, not a great, not a great term. We'll go with it. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's a big play. Tell, tell me touchdown. more about the 10 point touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's one of those things where the, the Titans have been, I don't think as bad as the, even their record indicates, they have to clean up these big plays. And it's been cons- different things that w- have really caused those breakdowns. But ultimately this past game, I think a lot of their breakdowns as I'll, I'll allude to wasn't necessarily the secondary play, but it was the lack of pass rush or when the pass rush was actually getting there, that's when some secondary issues came in there. Whether And a lot of that came down to communication. Right, and you kind of hit on it. I think the defense has been playing well enough. Now, it's not perfect, obviously. It, it, it seems like every game there's those two or three plays. You're like, dang, if you don't give that up, and especially one you'll talk about here in a, in a little bit, it was one play drive. Those things can't happen. as defense. you got to get those cleaned up, and you're hoping they'll through all the, the coach speak and telling them they're going to challenge receivers. You're hoping some of that will get cha- cleared up. For me, it's more on the offense because it's, yes, did they outgain, did they outgain the Jets? Did they have uh, out time of possession the Jets? Yes. They also – Won the turnover battle at one point, I think, or they were up on it. Is that they correct? They won. It's they won the, the turnover game. battle. It's the first game all so, year they won the turnover battle. So all those things, if you outgain your opponent, you win the turnover battle, and you have the time of possession in you with a running team like Derrick Henry, you're like, okay, we blew them out, or we won convincingly by 10 points, as you predicted. The problem is, like you stated earlier, too many of those drives ended in field goals, and there's there's a stat I can't find. I tried to find it just beforehand, but if you go look and compare – the explosive plays, the average yards per pass attempt, the average yards per play, all those kinds of things, they're all down this year compared to last year through this point. And that's the problem is the Titans are not having those explosive plays. They're not having their playmakers. Not having your one and two uh, wide receivers are really going to do that for you. You know, it's going to hamper some things. But again, with Tannehill playing like he was, and you think Tannehill's the guy that you didn't explore any other avenues with a couple years ago, He's got to come out and try to to make those things. And then here's the thing. Even with those stud receivers, you're still not averaging those explosive plays. Derrick Henry's breaking off some runs, but he's not he's not breaking off the big ones yet. Now, they'll come. Now, he's leading all of everybody in scrimmage, yards from scrimmage. So he's having a monster year already uh, this early, which is good. And you hope that that continues as they clean some of this up. So you compare the non-explosive with an offensive line who can't hold water on third at any kind of a distance. And I mean, medium to long. They just can't do it. That, that tends more to that than the other. That's a recipe for disaster on offense. And that, those are things that have to be cleaned up. Yeah, and look, we, we talk about the big plays given up, and that's been the offensive line that's been the the culprit on the offensive side. Now, I also think there's some schematic issues on offense where uh, they don't have that down-the-field threat of any kind right now without A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. And really, it's one of those that uh, they think – I. 
I saw some deep attempts to Cam Batson. That's not what he is. You guys know I'm a big Cam Batson fan. I like the way he plays the game. He's a good four or five receiver, but he's really a gadget kind of player. He's not a down the field. He's one of those guys that's faster when they time him than he plays on the field and truly down and actually breakaway speed. He's quick. He's fast in a phone booth kind of thing. And you see that whenever they use him correctly. And that's where the issues, I think, really pop up. And that's where it's really been hurting. Teams can come up and uh, take away. And they don't have to worry about uh, covering down the field for very long because that offensive line can't hold up. Right. So and I was hoping Kevin would restate his question because I had no clue what that first one said. Uh, so we'll come back to that in just a second if, if we can. But um, – those are all good points. And then defensively, like we said, we think they're playing well enough. And then offensively, the offensive line has to so, – so a lot of this has to get cleaned up, right? They can't continue the season like this regardless of who's healthy, who's not, because you have – your NFL team, you have to deal with injuries. Uh, obviously, your injuries to your starting quarterback puts you in kind of a bind, but starting running back with this team as well, the way that it's shaped up. Hey, uh, uh, real quick for those on the stream, I'm just curious. One, I need to know if some if we need to send some help to a listener here. But Ryan, can you give me a breakdown of this question? I'll post it on the screen for you. That's what I was talking about. I have no clue. There's something about Benita in the game when the Dolphins were there, and I, and I think he cleaned it up with his next comment. Okay, you want to go to the next one here? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and read this one off for. Hey, I want y'all to revisit the defense. Need to block the officer. Okay, yeah. So he must be doing <laughs> speech to text. Uh, Kevin, I apologize. Kevin, everybody we appreciate needs, you joining, hey, buddy. But, but la- <laughs> this last sentence, everybody needs to block for the quarterback. Here's the thing. You, you, that's kind of hitting the nail on the head. Tannehill, I, I said in the game he needs to get rid of it, but when I go back and watch it, there was a little bit of a mixture of nothing was really open. He also wasn't taking chances, almost like he like they were coached up to be safe this game. He wasn't forcing anything. He wasn't doing some checkdowns and stuff. He was looking more for developing. We'll get to that in one of the breakdowns that I have uh, later on. But again, for these three-strap drops, that's the thing. If you're going to do three-strap drop, you, the offensive line isn't supposed to block forever, but then they're not blocking long enough for even a three-step drop. And that's a problem. So they've got to get this stuff worked out. So the, Daniel has to have more time, but he also has to more have more confidence to try to not take those chances because you don't want to just give the game by interceptions and all that, but you have to be able to throw it to an area that only your guy can get at those kinds of plays and can help himself out a little bit. And I don't think he's holding on to it too long, but I think for what the situation was around him, he was. He should have that that timer go off a little bit more. Yeah, in my opinion, Tannehill's worst game of the season, but in no way, shape, or form was it a bad game. Mm. Uh, could he have done some things better? Sure. But, I mean, he had a touchdown pass to uh, Josh Reynolds in the back corner of the end zone, if not for, for a pretty egregious hold that was uncalled. Yeah. Not blaming the refs here. We don't do that here. But it, it was almost a great catch. Yeah, it, that's the thing. It wasn't a something that held him back a ton, but as close as it was with that diving attempt that Reynolds had, it definitely took away a touchdown off the board. So I sure. do want to shift over to the defensive side, as this does have to be a pretty quick, uh, pretty quick show. And I do see a question here around the DB's inability to press. I think, look, if you're either coaching it or you're allowing it, Dom, and it's one of those that it's they may not be doing exactly what the coaches are calling for. The problem is you're still trotting the same guys out there and it's been repeated. So there's been an issue there. I don't think the playing off has been as bad as it's been blown out to be. Look, whenever you see a bunch formation, you can't press everybody. You're going to get picked to death. You're going to get crossed to death. And that's not going to be the the play I break down, but it's been something I've seen flying around out there. The Jets win a lot of bunch formations and it doesn't actually have to be bunch. It can be a tight split out of a trips formation, anything like that. You have to play it a certain way. Otherwise, it's so 
easy for a deep, for an offense to pick you apart. Do I think they can be a bit more aggressive? Yes. I don't think that was as egregious as, as it's being made out to be, and it is not the cure-all for this defense right now. With that... Let's jump right into your defensive play then. That's a great segue, I think, if you if you would like to. Uh, also, again, if you're if you're watching us on Twitter, remember our, our Twitter comments are not coming through. Head on over to YouTube, our YouTube channel. Submit your comments that way. Those will come through. Or as Dom, Kevin, and Dom have figured out, Facebook works well. Absolutely. So this this breakdown that we're going to go with today is the uh, it's a 53 yard touchdown to Corey Davis that really kind of put uh, a nail, the first nail in the coffin for the Titans on this day. So the the Jets motion into the same sort of trips formation. Um, the, again, I got a marked here with your number one, two and three threats for the Jets and the Titans are trying to line up in a base cover three. You got your corners with Breon Borders down here at the bottom of the screen. He's turned inward. You can kind of tell it's going to be a zone play so the titans this is what they are trying to do and look kevin byard is supposed to have that middle third of the field and got into this a little bit with some of the uh, broadway guys and i think ultimately there is one thing that really caused the biggest problem of this play which we'll get to so as we look here they're going to break off look the safeties and the dbs they're taught in most cases to read from two to one you're going to read your inside receiver if he's going to press deep then you're going to stay with him if he breaks off short your eyes are going to go to the number one receiver in this situation buyer gets caught in in kind of no man's land he's he's sitting flat-footed he's seeing the play action which means anybody's going to take a step forward or you're going to play it patient his eyes are still on number two and uh, Jamison Crowder is pressing a little bit here. Now, this it's a still shot, so you're not getting a ton of that. But you can definitely see Byard's eyes are firmly on Jamison Crowder. The other thing that's occurring here is you're going to see this play action motion, and it's going to go to the top side of the field here. So in that case, Byard has to know the flow of the play is going to be going that direction with his eyes on Crowder. That's where he's going to go. And knowing that this play is going away from the bottom of the field here. He knows that Borders at the bottom here is essentially now in man coverage with the number one receiver on this bottom side. So should he stay deep, you know, by letter of the law, probably. But you're asking a guy that's been a ball hawk, a guy that wants to make a play. He's reading the field and reading how this is playing out. I also highlight here the block from the pulling tight end here coming up on Danico Autry. And this is where I really think this play falls apart for the Titans. Danico, you see these guys, I think I saw it in uh, training camp, you know, them hitting hitting things at the bottom, the stiff arm bar, and people are making fun of them. This is literally the type of play that they're trying to take away. And it's because you can't let a blocker, especially a pulling blocker, get into your legs and take you out. You got to be able to stay up. So what ends right. up happening is that the tight end get, gets just enough of Autry to allow Zach Wilson to get outside of him. One second. I mean, and what he's saying there is that Autry has contained in that and he's got contained for anything going wide. So it's not just the quarterback, it's runs, everything. So if you get chopped down and he didn't really chop down, but he got in his legs enough to where if you remember the play that Autry had to spin, then he's, he's, he's down. He then pursues, but Zach Wilson's able to make the throw. He's going to deliver here in a second. And that's what Jonathan's trying to get at just to understand that he let the outside contain get outside and, and that's you, a no-no you can see here in this next shot here is where autry he's still on his feet but already he's lost contained to the outside this is a play action boot here where wilson has gotten to the outside this is what you want to have happen and so a lot of times you'll see some naked boots uh, lord knows the titans have seen that a couple of times where Tannehill gets blown they, they up. ran them this game too yeah they absolutely <laughs> did this is a, a little uh, uh 
adaptation off of that to give a little bit more help with the pulling tight end. But essentially what the Titans defense is seeing is a levels concept. You're going to have somebody going deep, somebody going to the middle. And frankly, that tight end is also an option if he is unable to get the chip on that uh, defensive end. And so it's really for Zach Wilson to make his determination about where he's going to read that safety in the corners to see where to go. Ultimately, the most open guy on this entire play is the number one receiver to the top side being covered by Jenkins. That's where he should have gone with the ball. But you can see that Byard's now made his decision. He's locked into Crowder on the, de- on the deep crosser here. The idea is that Crowder will be open between the linebackers, and that's where Wilson, that's the easy throw. Borders is in decent position. If Look, you could say that he's open, um, that Corey Davis is open right here. The number one thing you say about quarterbacks is don't throw back across your body. Don't do it. Don't do it. So essentially, this is not a throw that's really an option right now. Right here, you're going to see there's nobody that's really completely open the guy that Jenkins is covering is technically open Wilson probably should go there you've got bracket coverage now at this point on uh, Jamison Crowder and Borders is in a good trail position he's in good position to make a play on the ball I'll also say that if you want to see what an offense could do to this look, you've seen a lot of those wheel routes out the backside, those leak plays. You got a line, you got Dane Crookshank here at the bottom, marked in red. He's a guy, he's got that covered. So if a defense, if I'm an offense and I come see that and I don't see Crookshank sitting there, I'm coming right back to this play later on with that leak play to the running back or the tight end that I'm going to leak out to that backside. And that's a big play. We see a lot of those plays now. The problem is, again, Seven seconds of coverage. Right. You don't have plays on defense or offense that you design for seven seconds. So with this is able to happen, you see Zach Wilson, he points it downfield. When I say borders is in good position for trail coverage, that's great on crossing routes. Trail coverage, not so great on deep routes. And that's ultimately what happens. You go to backyard football, Corey Davis breaks it up the field, and immediately that trail position becomes a losing position where Corey Davis brings down the 53-yard touchdown. So ultimately, I don't necessarily put this on the secondary. I think you give anybody seven seconds to throw in the pocket or not in the pocket, seven seconds to throw. And look, when the Jets drafted Zach Wilson, they wanted him to be Patrick Mahomes. This is a kind of Patrick Mahomes play with backyard football. And ultimately, this is a 55 yard pass in the air. Not a lot of quarterbacks in the league can make that pass. It's a hell of a throw. Absolutely. I called in the chat a tip your cap moment a little bit because I mean, Jed, you're not going to see that much. Nope. So that that's a great breakdown. I kind of wished I'd have gone first because I think yours is going to be a lot more polished than mine. <laughs> so, but Dom, uh, Dom asks, uh, why do we stunt? I mean, here's the thing too: you want to try to get pressure on these young quarterbacks as well at some point in time. So trying to mix it up, you don't want to see static, and you, you want to try to confuse them. So they get outside like that again. You're hoping the play breaks down at that point in time, and that your outside contain can keep contained, and just. It's kind of one of those things where we, we have a saying where last person with a piece of chalk wins on a, on a chalkboard. And on this situation, that it, it turns into backyard football, and, and as, as Jonathan pointed out, in the trail coverage there, he hits the seam. He goes from May running a deep post to a seam, and that's just a, that's a tough transition when you don't know what's coming, and it goes against whatever look you, you thought you were seeing in front of you to that point. So it's just a tough situation. You try to do your best with what you can. So we talked about the defense. Let's switch over to the offense. So let's set up a play. This is, I believe, uh, this is the third and sixth play. This is the drive right after the Bayard interception where the Titans looking to really gain some momentum, really put their, well, we talked about putting their foot on the throat of a lesser opponent during the halftime show and really starting to, to compose your will. So here you have third and six. You want to keep the drive going. I think it's from like 
the 12 or 13, forgive me for not getting that information, but you're setting up here, you're in a spread look one back. And I circled the responsibilities from what I can tell from after the snap and where they start to come. You see that Ben Jones has called out and he's looking over to his right. So those two linebackers he's responsible for and a floater, or if Nate Davis becomes a floater, depending on the stunt are going to be from that side. The running back is checking into out the two blue circles to his side. And then he'll check release as you see through, through how we go here. So just explain what's going on in the pass protection there. And essentially what the Jets do here is they just bring four. So you're thinking if we've got technically six guys, and if you want to kind of say the tight end because he chips here before he releases in for pass pro, that should be more than enough to block four. And these are the problems the Titans are getting themselves into with with the stunts, with the interior. uh, And they were so good last year about picking this stuff up. And now you see here what's going to happen to this left side is a bit of a stunt, but that's not going to be the ultimate problem as we'll get into. And oops. Well, first night, technical issues. Apologies. Well, that's great. So, <laughs> live shows. So, in the next part, here's, here's where how the play starts to break down. As you see out here, the tight end is starting to chip. The tight end is starting to chip out here. Well, this has just gone off the rails. So you see the tight end start to chip. You see that Weston Barrett is looking the bearer of bad news, but you are showing the same play. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, anyway, so let's go back to that play. So what it it shows here is that if, if if I can draw here. So what happens is this tackle here is going to press in and loop around after this end comes down and crashes. So what you want to see here, and LaJuan does it for the most part, is he's able to pass off to Saffold. Now, Saffold gets crushed a little bit, which enters the pocket. And so when this guy loops around, uh, LaJuan gets off on the late and is able to push him out. You would love to see a little more push off the pocket here from LaJuan as that starts to stunt. So this end here chips in and starts to press on Questenberry. Questenberry kind of catches and lets it push himself in. So now Tannehill has got to roll away to come here from the pressure he's seeing over here from Saffold and Lawan. Questenberry doesn't really push his guy up to fill, which is what you like to see to try to create that pocket for your quarterback. This Tannehill kind of runs himself in to the sack here a little bit, but Questenberry needs to help to push out. Lawan also needs to help to push out here, which would create this nice pocket for Tannehill, but he doesn't have that. Plus, this is a shorter drop, and this is what we're talking about out here with your, your receivers, you're running essentially two corner routes or a corner and an out from your th- number three is running a corner deep to the corner of the end zone, hoping for a shot play. Your number two here, if you go back to the wide, is supposed to be running an out. I, since I can't bring up the pictures, I had all this this kind of mapped out, and I apologize about that. I'm not sure what's happening with all of that, but you start to go look at that out route should have broken down a little sooner because they just needed the six yards for a first down. He breaks into the end zone. He's literally three to four yards away from that deep corner so that's too many people in the area so Tannehill looks to throw he has nobody open you then have your number one receiver out on the way on the outside coming in on in looking to whip back out but he's covered as well so now Tannehill has that combination of what he's seeing in front of him he this he then sees this breakdown all in front of him like I said rolls back to his left and Questenberry who, who should be out here with his guy is more if I can clean it up before you is more in here as you, if I had the still shots and he's kind of turned his shoulders to where this guy now has a free go at Tannehill. 
up here, Davis passes this stunt over here. And, and I will say this for Davis. He hasn't done this all season, but on this play, at least he knows then he turns into the floater. So he starts looking out this way for anything coming. Nothing's coming. I would like to see him fold back in here, though, and get some more help. He starts to go back out of the tackle, but he doesn't get enough help there in time because you'd like to see him decleat and maybe Tannehill's a go. Tannehill also, again, if I could bring up the wide, looks like if he could have broken out this way, he had a whole lot of green out here, which is where that levels concept was breaking in front of him anyway. So if he was going to try to break and make something happen, you would have liked to have seen it out there as well. So that's why this play broke down. This stunt here from these two defenders was actually pretty well picked up from him crashing out and go here. My only nitpick is that the one when he tries to go is now his shoulders. You see how they're parallel to the line here. You'll see more of that. And then he tries to work out and up for it. He turns and gives kind of a rounder corner for that defender to then have a better go. Now he still gets in front of him. That's not the problem, but it causes enough problem for Tannehill setting up here to have to go this way. And then you combine that with Questenberry messing up on his side. And that's your easy, there's your easy sack. And in those third and six situations, you can't have that. So I think we'll get this cleaned up for next week because uh, right now it just looks like Ryan playing with his coloring book. And while this is a great first step, Ryan, thank you for watching, walking us through it. That would have been much more educational than what I provided. So uh, we'll blend our powers together and uh, we'll get it right. It'll be our get right game. Yeah. Apologies about that, everybody. So I apparently don't know what I opened up. There, because it was supposed to be a slideshow and it didn't work out. So could, but, it could have been much worse if you don't know what you're opening up. Your horror stories <laughs> all the time. So speaking of get right games, yeah. And, and uh, before we get to that, just real quick, does your expectations change for the Titans at all based on this game? No. Now, why? Why would your expectations change? My expectations for any team that is in the Titans position is Super Bowl or bust. Yeah, and, but that's my point I want to get is that, that just because the, and this is a bad game and it seems under the Mike Vrabel error that you have one of these stinkers. Thank you. I appreciate it, Dom. Uh, a game. <laughs> and it's it's unfortunately, uh, and I know Zach is just cackling somewhere right now with my failure with technology, but now you've got to go on because as this weekend proved, you can probably, as this season has proved in past seasons, the Titans can beat anybody. You also lose to anybody. And what arguably was the worst NFL team so far in the Jets. Now you've got to go down to TIA, TIAA Bank in Jacksonville and take on the Jaguars, arguably the second, third worst team in the NFL. So you have to, as you stated, have a get right game and get back on track. Because not only is this a chance to step on an opponent's throat and that you're supposed to beat, but it's also divisional. It's also right there. You can't lose this game for, for, all the reasons, not just one or two playoff, whatever bragging rights. This is not, this is a must win game now. No, I mean, it absolutely is. Your margin for error is getting is getting smaller and now it is a 17 week season. So you'd have a little bit more than, and you got seven teams getting into the playoffs. You got a little more uh, breathing room there, but it definitely doesn't instill a lot of confidence. And for a team that really wants to get to that next level, I think it was two years ago is good to great. Good to great. You almost feel like they're still trying to take that, that step up from good to great because you can't lose these kinds of games. Now I will also say this is not a, a, a game that uh, will decide their entire season. There are some red flags there for sure that they need to be able to clean up. But again, 22 big plays on the season is not that bad. The problem is they've been death knells every single time. And so 
can they clean it up? They absolutely can clean it up. And I think, can they get healthy though? That's their biggest problem moving forward. Their injury list is a complete B squad for an entire team somewhere. So uh, they got to be able to get somewhat healthy, protect guys, but ultimately you don't have the ability to uh, just rest guys and possibly lose a game because you, you kind of already did that. So looking at the Jaguars, by the way, you started going TIA. I, I thought you were about to make some sort of calculus nerd joke about a <laughs> TI-83 calculator. And I so I was I didn't know where you were going there for a moment. But <laughs> uh, you look at look at the Jaguars. They've been in the news a little bit. I'm not we're not going down the route. We're of, not grinding on that. It's not that kind of coach's corner, not the corner <laughs> that Urban was sitting in. Um, so. Oh, that was sitting on him. Anyway, yeah. yeah so moving on. <laughs> to that. There's a lot going on there. There's something to be said there that I think that Mike Herndon in our chat said that he didn't want that. Um, he didn't want uh, Urban to be fired or have that that varsity blues moment where the team really comes together after a fired coach, that kind of a thing. So he's still there. They're still dealing with some things, but you can't you can't worry about that. You can't think that's going to affect them. You've got to think, if anything else, this is going to rally them for whatever reason because it's them against whatever. Their coach isn't there. They've all they've got. You, you've, you've got to expect that they're, they're going to give you your best shot. And Again, another, how troubled are you with the fact that this, I think they're 0-4, Vrabel is 0-4 versus rookie quarterbacks. It's another rookie quarterback coming in town. A lot of people liked him a lot. Now, I'll tell you what, I've been more impressed with his mobility than his throwing so far in the NFL. But Trevor Lawrence may cause some problems. Does that concern you at all about another rookie quarterback coming in against the Titans? That's such an asinine question. Not not from you. It's just it's asinine that you're having to ask that question because you think about the record that somebody like Bill Belichick has. No matter what team he's with, or what his team looks like, he's still beating rookie quarterbacks. That's not a coincidence. Yet somehow Vrabel is now zero and four. And so whether that's him or whether or not that is the defensive coordinator that they're trotting out there, the problem is, is it does not instill a whole lot of confidence that there's a lot of schematic advantages that they're throwing out there. And now, do I think he is a leader of men? He is. But that is some a huge red flag, the fact that you can't take advantage of the, these rookie quarterbacks. And I do think if you're going to get – uh, I, I understand the logic of playing, ten, you know, playing back, making sure that um, – the quarterback can't, you know, take those deep shots that a lot of young quarterbacks like to take that it's one of those. You can't just do that because then you're letting them get into rhythm. I don't think Zach Wilson got into a ton of rhythm with underneath stuff. He just got hot with a couple of big throws. He was not good early on. And that's where I think they didn't put the pressure on him by finishing on offense. But it's one of those. You play that risk, risky game by going down the path of playing so far off because you can let them get into a rhythm. And frankly, if I'm going against the Jaguars with an offensive line that leaves something to be desired, a running game that has James Robinson, uh, but he, he's not an explosive guy, and they just lost their number one wide receiver. It's a it's Lavisca Chenault, and then maybe you know you have to worry about Marvin Jones with a uh, comeback game somewhere and here here and there. But this isn't a team that really scares you with weapons. And so for me, I'd like to see them mix it up a little bit, give them a little bit different looks. Don't just play vanilla because you think you can get away with it. And so I'd like to see them throw some things at them, I, but they haven't really shown the propensity to do that a ton. Yeah, 
The offensive line, like you stated, you want to try to take advantage of that. Harold Landry has a stat where I think he's leading the NFL in, in quarterback pressures. Well, those have got to start turning into sacks at some point, or maybe they don't have to, but he's got to get some help from somewhere. You've got to start t- taking advantage of these offensive lines you're seeing. You can't let James Robinson take it. And as you stated last week with uh, Wilson, you can't let Lawrence get his confidence and try to take over the game. The Jaguars came out hot last week versus the Bengals. Bengals were, had the explosive offense to be able to combat that and come back. I don't know if the Titans have that just yet. I don't know if they have enough time to fix all the problems of just having players back fixes some of that. So, again, you want to see the Titans come out there, take this seriously, and try to do what they can to pressure Lawrence in a smart way, as you're stating, and not let him get comfortable and and, and nickel and dime you. Because if he starts getting out, he starts getting his feet under him, he starts getting his confidence, he can be a decent player. I think it's a dangerous time for the Titans. If the passing game doesn't get going – then this is always going to be a dangerous game. But I will also say, if there's not a wake-up call losing to a to a winless team like that, there's not going to be one. Right. And so you're on a stretch coming up here that this is not a this is a game that you absolutely is a must win because you got three games coming up where you could lose all three of them. Sure. And so it's got to be something where you have to come out with a win here. You got and that maybe that forces you to push some guys out that maybe aren't quite healthy enough, and you hate to be in that position. You hate to be in that position. And so the problem with the way they played last week and dropping that game is, again, the margin for error is gone. Unfortunately, you put yourself in this situation. But I will say this uh, about Mike Vrabel's Titans, and maybe this is just what they needed. And I hate to say that, but but they always seem to play a little better when their back's against the wall. And I don't know if they have to create this mentality of us against the world or whatever, when everybody was against them in, in the practice gate last year and everybody, they came out and just absolutely destroyed the bills when no one was expecting them to not even certain members of Broadway. We just didn't see it happening. Uh, a lot of things were working out. So maybe if they have to, <clears throat> maybe they, they, their backs against the walls, the only way they play good football. And if that's the case, then always put your back against the wall. It's tough to do it if you're not really in the situation, but, with where they put himself themselves, they're kind of in the back against the wall, at least these next five games that you see getting through that Texans game that's coming up on the schedule. Cause you want to win those two games for the South division. And then you want to be able to win at least a couple of those. You would love to win a couple of those and be thinking that you're going to drop one. Cause you've got the bills, the chiefs, the Ravens, you, that's going to be a tough little murderers row there uh, of teams. So you've got to come out and do this. So let's do this. Cause I know we've got to get over to the soccer guys. We appreciate you staying with us. Um, Dom, thank you for all the questions. Uh, I think we lost Kenneth, but I hope you are okay, man, out there with everything there. But any major changes from the defense or offense that you'd like to see? Major changes. I mean, you're going to see David Long out there a little bit. The big thing is, I think, with Janoris Jenkins, he's had a rough go of it. Ultimately, if Caleb Farley's ready to go, you got to start trotting him out there. And he's been a full participant in practice so far this week. So maybe he's getting there, but he brings some speed to the team. Ultimately, Jenkins just doesn't have the speed to run on those deep crossers. And if you can't get the quarterback on the ground, you got to get athleticism out there. And now Farley may give up some other big plays just in a different, different manner, but I'd love to see him out there. And then I think on offense, you've got to use your players and what they can do. And so these deep shots, you got to, if you have to start spreading them out to get some more quick hitting passes out there, I'd like to see that. Yeah, I was just going to clean up real quick with offense. Just I want the offensive line to clean up their assignments to actually give Tannehill a chance to get through a three-drop progression and be able to read and then take advantage of that. And also I'd like to see them take some more shots to become explosive at some point to try to put some pressure and make yourself less one-dimensional so then Derrick Henry can eat, especially in a place where he always seems to eat in Jacksonville. So real quick, prediction for the game? 
think Titans probably end up pulling it out. I think it may be another nail biter. Um, but I think they, they probably end up winning by, uh, you know, seven. Yeah. Transition game, transition to good. That's why I don't think it's going to be a blowout or a multiple score game, but I'm, I'm with you about six to, to 10 point, uh, win for the Titans, hopefully, but they're still trying to get right in a lot of areas. So, um, and I forgot this last week. So real quick before we close, Jonathan, what's our joke of the week? I was going to say it's the Titans, um, but, you know, um, so I didn't really have anything prepared, so I'm going to go with the Titans. But I forgot to tell you, I um, got into an argument with my wife, and, you know, she told me I needed to stop back on, like, a flamingo. So I really had to put my foot down. There's your joke of the week, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Coach's Corner brought to you by Broadway Sports Network, partner with 440 Sports. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts, articles, and all of our other good content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Check us out on Twitter at BroadwayTN and this show at Coaches on Broad. Until next time, see ya. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.